Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 103 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Peter Jones is here with me. Not sure if Todd's going to make it. Once again, being a good father, so Todd, salute to you. Since last Friday was Veterans Day and I didn't get a chance to thank my friend, I did thank him on Twitter, but thank you to Todd and all the people who have served our country and others. Peter, I'm happy to see you. Happy Tuesday. How are you? Good to see you too. Um, always good on the week the Packers win. Yeah, I just want to echo your sentiments there about Veterans Day to Todd and to all the veterans and my father-in-law, members of my family that served the armed forces over here. So yeah, absolutely want to second that. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. You can find us on Twitter, but you know this, you can find us at www.avgcheese.com. You can find us via email if you'd like, avgcheese at gmail.com. And I am saying this to all of our listeners, and I will put it out on the Twitters. It is time to do the custom shoe raffle for Veterans <laughs> Outreach. Dale, once again, has fucked things up, and he's late on the raffle. Sorry, friends, you're not getting that for Christmas. <laughs> you're not getting your custom shoes. It's going to be have to be like the Boxing Day present. Isn't that Canada? They have Boxing Day or something we, like that. We do here. We oh, do, do here as well. Yeah, but that, but it's that but that's the day after Christmas. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not getting it that fucking day either, people. You might get it for Martin Luther King Day or something like that. Anyway, we are going to raffle off a custom pair of shoes from Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. We've done it the last two years. I will send that link out on the Twitters and we will have that for you. Last year, I think we made about $700 and hopefully we'll make over a thousand for veterans outreach. So there's that. Peter, it's your time to shine, which actually is the entire show, but the beginning is always yours. It is episode 103. So number three for the Green Bay Packers. I'm ready. Number three. And, and it couldn't really be anybody else's number three as a retired number in Packers history, Tony Canadeo, the great ghost of Gonzaga, Packers' first 1,000-yard rusher, um, ran for a 1,000, just over a 1,000 yards in 1949. And that was only the third 1,000-yard rushing season in the history of the NFL. So it was quite a feat to be A.B. the Packers' first, but I think just being the third in NFL history puts it in perspective. So obviously a running back, halfback, but he also threw a number of passes, played a little bit of quarterback, returned kicks and punts, kicked a bit, punted a bit, so did a bit of everything. And like I say, it's one of only six Packers who have their number retired, although there's quite a story behind that, but that's for that's for another day. We might talk about retired numbers on a show in the off-season. Yeah, let's do quite that. Some sto- quite some stories behind some, behind some of those. Inducted into the... 
Pro Football Hall of Fame in the 1970s, Packer Hall of Fame, or all of all of that great stuff. And one of the longest serving Packer people. So he played from 41 to 52 as a player for the Packers and then was on the executive committee for many, many years and total 55 years of service for the Green Bay Packers. You know, he is one of those guys that you could certainly associate a Mr. Packer moniker to. And by all reports, I never got to meet him. By all reports, he was a super, super nice guy. Tony Canadeo, number three. And the last number three that we'll ever have. The, the last number three, although it, although the number was inadvertently given out twice since what? the number was <laughs> since the number was retired retired once in preseason and once Vince Lombardi gave it gave it to a kicker in nineteen I want to say it's sixty one, who Ben Ben Agajanian wore the number three for three games in nineteen sixty one. Didn't some may say like, hey Vince. You can't fucking do that, bro. <laughs> we know you're well, Vince Lombardi, but you can't do yeah, that. You, you can't just pick number three they, they, and use it. They probably thought it and then thought, it's Vince. I probably <laughs> won't say it. <laughs> we'll just let it go to see how long. That is crazy. That's funny that that happened. Imagine that today. It would be a complete <laughs> yep. shitstorm, that's for sure. Thank you for that. I enjoy that part of the show more than you know. Slices, the average cheese pick them. Peter. You've fallen off the top of the average cheese pick'em. It is now DM Reese as our current champion. I won't say champion, but he is the current leader. Mike. What's going on? <laughs> well, I thought I'd let another Brit have a chance, obviously. So <laughs> <laughs> it's British domination in the average cheese. It's all folks from outside the States kicking the crap out of us Americans. Yeah, do your rants up there too. I was just looking at it. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a very close race between about five or six of you. I saw Hound is starting to creep up the list too. Yep. I think yep. he's like five behind. Last couple of weeks, I've had an absolute nightmare. I only got five games right last week. So <laughs> let's talk about nightmare. <laughs> Boy, I, was, I could have just turned like just dude, not even looked and picked better than that. Shit. Terrible. So we will see. We might end up sending uh, a shirt overseas this year. I hope we do. So we got to get on to Packer news. There's so much stuff to talk about. Amari Rogers was finally cut today. There's no joy in my heart because the man was cut, but it was way overdue. A bunch of people said it on Twitter today. They let go of Ty Montgomery the week he made that decision to take that kick out of the end zone. And get... Now, Amari Rogers wasn't being defiant or you know not following orders in fact there were times and you talked about it peter where amari rogers was following orders to fair catch a punt when there wasn't anybody within half the stadium from him we all wanted him to be great i was super excited when they picked amari rogers i will put my raise my hand and say listen i thought he was a guy that they could use in a debo samuel role and he was a dynamic player i was absolutely wrong he is absolutely not dynamic. I don't care who picks him up. They're all going to figure that out. That young man can't won't play in the NFL long. I was slightly surprised that they cut him. I mean, I, I thought that his days returning punts were done just because the wide of the Packers' wide receiver situation right now. So that's slightly it wasn't a shock. And and I'm like you. There's no glee or enjoyment in that happening. And and I hope that's 
another team picks him up, and I'm sure that they will, whether he ends up on on the 53 or a practice squad, and they gets another opportunity somewhere somewhere else. How that will work out for him, only time will tell. But I just hope that he gets that opportunity. Yeah, he needs an opportunity to play offense for somebody. He wasn't going to yeah. get that with the Packers for whatever reason. I think the reason is he can't play. He is not able to run a route that is going to get someone off his back. I just believe that. I know I said that whatever week, last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was, he doesn't do anything with any kind of suddenness. He doesn't even come out of his route or out of his break or whatever. Yeah. And, and I think, and we're going to get onto this in the questions because there's a very specific, specific question from one of the listeners coming up about third round picks. But I, but I, I just think he was one of those picks in the, in where the Packers just, I think took a little bit of a flyer. They were looking for a different type of player. You know, he didn't doesn't fit their mould of six foot four, two hundred and ten pound wide receivers. But they'd seen, you know, the league, the, the, these slot guys, the Cole Beasleys of this world, the Randall Cobbs, if you like, of this world, making plays across the NFL. And I think I think they took a little bit of a flyer in in picking him, and it just didn't didn't work. But nothing ventured, nothing gained. Bad pick, yes. But you got to try different things once in a while. Kylan Hill was cut today. We'll talk about that in a second. Bit of a surprise. Packers activated Patrick Taylor. So clearly they like Patrick Taylor or something happened between. I don't, I don't know. That's a very odd situation. Patrick Taylor has got to be thinking, man, am I going to be cut next? Or, or maybe now that Kylan Hill is gone, maybe I'm the third guy forever. I don't know. I can only assume. I was really, yeah, this one is really, is really surprising from the outside look, looking in. So you can only assume that having got Kylan Hill gone through his three weeks of practice, got him back on the roster, that what they're seeing in him isn't what they saw in him pre the injury. That's the only thing you can kind of assume from the outside looking in. And that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean that he can't play somewhere else in the league. You know, you're looking at that third running back spot and you're looking at Kylan Hill and you're looking at Patrick Taylor. And at this time, they're obviously believing that Patrick Taylor gives them a little bit more than Kylan Hill does perhaps as a receiver, perhaps on special teams, perhaps as a as a blocker, whatever whatever it might be, but still a surprise. D.D. Westbrook brought up today. I think we all know how that's going to go. I have thoughts on how that's going to work. Tim Ward is a name I have never heard from the practice squad. I have not really followed the practice squad recently, but that's not a name I've, I've seen. I see Ladarius Hamilton has gotten snaps in Rashawn Gary's absence. There are guys getting snaps that wouldn't because he's hurt. I'm going to guess that Tim Ward is either going to fill the hole of Devondre Campbell or Rashawn Gary. So he's only been signed to the practice squad right now. Outside linebacker from Old Dominion. So so not a college football powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Bounced around with the, the, the Chiefs and the, and the Jets for a couple of years. Um, but I've got nothing else on him. And Jonathan Abrams, who we talked about previous to being signed by the Packers, got into this game against Dallas, which is really kind of interesting. Right from the shit he into the game... I don't, that says a lot maybe about the depth on special teams and just the depth of the safety spot where they even picked him up to begin with. I mean, he didn't look terrible. He didn't look like, holy smokes, this guy doesn't belong on a football field. Yeah, and it was exactly as we talked about last week. Why not, you know, for the sake of a million dollars against your cap or whatever the number is, which is nothing in the, you know, in an NFL, from an NFL perspective, why not just kick the tires and suit and see what he gives you? In NFL news, the Eagles lost last night, which is really bad for the Packers, actually. That's a a game that you want the Eagles to win. 
so that the commanders can come back to earth. The problem with the Eagles and I guess any team in the NFC is that they're not head and shoulders above anybody else. Yes, their record is really good. I watch them and I think this is not a team that really scares you. That just isn't going to absolutely go out and dominate. I don't think they're a dominant team at all. I would agree with that. And and I think you just have to take it. Look, they, they weren't going to go 17 and 0. So that first that first loss was coming at some point. And we think back to the Cardinals last year, who started off seven and oh eight, no, whatever it was before the Packers beat them, and then they they struggled after that. I'm not suggesting that that's definitely going to happen to the Eagles, but it may. I think now when you've lost a game, how you bounce back really shows who you are. Being undefeated is pressure. And once you lose that first one, it's like, okay, now I've got my loss and now I can just go about my business and do what I've been doing. So that, that could be the case, but that wasn't the team we needed them to lose to. Yeah. yeah. A not very good Washington team. The Vikings beat the Bills in one of the strangest endings to a game <laughs> ever. Wasn't it? Yes. And I didn't watch the game. I did turn it on just in time to see Josh Allen fumble that ball trying to come out, uh, you know, off the goal line there. That was really strange. Even if he just runs out of the end zone for a safety, they, that would probably have been a better outcome than trying to snap it. I mean, you don't do that, but that was really odd. Are the Vikings for real, in your opinion? I think they are. I think if you can go into Buffalo and play even up with the Bills, you know, regardless of how that game may or may not have turned out, if you're playing that close to the Bills, then, yeah, I think, I think, I think they are for real. And this is a good time to be good in the NFC. I just don't see a team, like I said, the Eagles are, you know, best record. I guess they're tied now with the Vikings for the best record from the NFC. Cooper Cup went on the IR. That was really a big, big loss for any team, right? You lose your number yeah. one wide receiver in the, yeah. I mean, he was a guy that we were talking about as an MVP candidate, as a wide yeah. receiver last year. He's a great player. He's yeah, a game he changer. That's a huge loss. Cause what is it? Allen Robinson now, like who's your next guy up? It's nowhere near the talent or ability level of Cooper cup. He's got to be out for the year, right? Or close to it. Yeah. It may come, may come back right at the end of the season, but, but the Rams could be done by then. So we got questions from friends. Do your rant says, will newly signed DD Westbrook be called up from the practice squad to be the new punt returner now that Amari Rogers has been released? My guess would be yes. My guess is that they've signed to the practice squad. They're going to take a very quick look at him. And on the assumption that, that there's no underlying issue that he's going to be activated to the full roster. So this, this is a guy that ran 4.39 coming out of college. So this is a, this is a speed guy. Not huge, kind of, you know, six foot, 180 pounds, that kind of area, but is, is a speed guy. Now, he's had a couple of injuries in the pros, but the one thing that he does have, as well as being decent wide receiver, he's had a couple of decent years in the NFL, is the punt returning skills. Well, both of those areas, wide receiver and punt returner, being in areas where the Packer could, could do with some help. But punt returning in particular, he has those skills, has a nice career average, which I think is nine point something. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a nice return average. I think yes, because seemingly they could use Keyshawn Nixon on, on punt returns. I would prefer not to because he's now having to play on defense a lot more, you know, with the injury to Stokes. And I don't think you want to risk getting to your fourth or fifth corner if you if you can avoid it. So, yes, I think Westbrook, barring some unforeseen circumstances, I think he gets elevated to the full roster and becomes the punt returner and they go from there. 
this is the same question. Chrissy says, what's the plan at punt return? And I'll just echo what you said. It is D.D. Westbrook's job to lose. If he looks like he can play this position of punt returner, it's his job. I think that is his sole job. Now, granted, what you said is absolutely right. The wide receiver room, now that Rodgers is gone, there isn't a lot of guys in there. So he's going to get some work, at least in practice. But I think the Packers pulled him off the shit heap so that he could uh, return punts. Keyshawn Nixon, Jesus, that punt that he returned against Dallas, catching it over his head. Holy (laughs) smokes. That's not going to do my health any good. I'm just telling you now. Well, I'll take him over Amari Rogers any day. That kind of thing. I can't, I can't deal with that. Like that's bad for my health. I could stroke out at any time watching Keyshawn Nixon return punts like that. So the answer I think is yes. DD Westbrook, if he doesn't suck, he'll be out there on Thursday against Tennessee. Also from Chrissy, and this is a Peter question. What do you think happened with Kylan Hill? Because you were high on him. We saw some of that explosiveness before he got hurt what are your thoughts on the kylan hill cut a guy you were very high on i could only imagine so the injury is clearly not a factor in terms of his ability to play because they wouldn't have brought him back off injured reserve if he couldn't pass the physical and all of that fit enough to be able to play i can only imagine that he hasn't at least yet shown what he showed to them before the injury and now they're in this comparison situation with the guy that they've got sitting there on the practice squad who's been on the roster knows obviously knows the system knows the plays Patrick Taylor and and I just think at this point in time that they think that Taylor is a is a better bet I don't think there's and I don't know but I'm surmising that there isn't an injury problem per se with with Kylan Hill it's just that he hasn't come back as the player that they thought he that they thought he was the surprise even if that's the case, I guess, to all of us, is that it's early days. And probably the Packers' record goes towards them making a a quick decision. I think they don't have time to mess around. If the record was such that they already felt that they were definitely out of the playoffs or they were 8-1, and then they may not have made this decision. But I think they're now at the point of we have to make quick and decisive decisions because we're still just in this thing. And I think that's that's got something to do with it. Rightly or wrongly, I think that's got something to do with it. This question is from Dan. Do we think that the releases today are in order to free up a roster spot for someone coming in? Dan, I think that the D.D. Westbrook thing is Taylor basically replacing Kylan Hill. And I think that they're at 52 on the, on the roster right now. So they've got a spare spot. I think that will be D.D. Westbrook unless there is an issue once they get once they get him into Green Bay. But I I, I think it, I think it's Westbrook. He's got to be really bad this week, doesn't he? To not you get think. the spot because, you know, Randall Cobb's not ready. Keyshawn Nixon, you said, is more important to the team on defense right now. And is that's a huge loss if he were to get hurt back there returning punts. I think it's D.D. Westbrook. I, I think that's the guy. I think that's the move they made to shore up the spot they needed to shore up. From Thomas, how many think uh, wins do you think it'll take to make the playoffs? I think it's nine. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to lose games to each other. It's very, it's a parity year in the NFC. I think no team is very good. I think the answer is nine. And I even if the Packers get to nine, I don't think they get to the playoffs. 
nine. Um, <laughs> the answer is nine. I, I, I think, I think it, yeah, it's about that. So if we went back previous to going to a 17-game schedule and seven teams in the, play, in the playoffs from each conference, nine wins, i.e. pretty much a nine and seven record as it was, got you into the playoffs about 40% of the time. Now with an extra playoff spot, that number would have been higher, but we're also at 17 games. I think the other thing that I look at is last year, five teams ended up nine and eight. Only one of those five made the playoffs, the Philadelphia Eagles, as it happens. It looks like that nine and eight, 10 and seven is going to be the cusp of the, of the playoffs. And I suspect that, I think as you've just alluded to, Dale, I think there will be one or more nine and eight teams that gets in. And there will be one or more nine and eight teams that doesn't get in just based on on tiebreakers. Yeah, I mean, that makes the Packers earlier losses to teams like the Giants, because we don't know where they're going to end up. The Commanders, those types of losses are killers for the Packers, both in terms of head-to-head tiebreakers, but also in terms of conference record. You know, you have to look at teams like Tampa Bay that the Packers have already beaten, so they own that head-to-head. You may want to be rooting for Tampa Bay as the season goes on to beat some of those other teams, that, that which is going to be difficult to do. But for me, it we is. Might, we it might hurt me that. to my core <laughs> to root for Tom Brady <laughs> in the Bucks. <laughs> and final question from Paul: Why do we keep getting the third round wrong, Paul? It's interesting you asked this question because I started to look this up during my workday. Hopefully, no one that works with me is listening right now. But I wanted to look at third round picks and I, I, I started at the most recent year because that's how pro football reference or whatever page I was on shows it. So if you look at our third round picks, <laughs> the Packers should just give them up every year, every year for the rest of time. I think the NFL would probably catch on to that, but I really think they should just give them up because my God. So I'll just go through them a bit. And there's some that'll make you laugh, right? Like they really picked this dude in the third round. Like how did that even happen? So Sean Ryan has, hasn't seen the field. I think he said one snap or something like that. Third round pick should be ahead of guys like Runyon, like Newman. Like they're all lower picks than Sean Ryan. Amari Rogers, that was in 2021. Cut. 2020, Josiah DeGuara. Mm, we'll see, right? You can't really say what Josiah DeGuara is going to be, but he's had time and he hasn't done much. Jay Sternberger, I think he's out of the league, right? He was cut by the Steelers. I don't know that he was picked up by anybody else. That's 2019. Oren Burks, 2018, was with the 49ers. I don't know where he is now, but he isn't playing football or much. 2017 Montrevious Adams. I really was a big Montrevious Adams guy. He played in 64 games as a professional, so four seasons. No, he went Adams. to um. He played. He played one year. I want to say in New England. I think. So that After sounds right. Yes. Yes. Nailed it. Kyler Fackerel, who was not great with the Packers, but did play pretty well with the Giants for a minute. He had 23 and a half career sacks. So I'll give that a thumbs up. He's fine. Ty Montgomery, 2015. Didn't do much with the Packers, but played with a bunch of other teams and is on someone's roster still today. Here's where it gets a little bit bleak. Peter, Kyrie Thornton, 2014, third round pick. Kyrie Thornton. Offensive tackle, right? 
Yes, Southern Miss. Yeah. Had one career sack. Richard Rodgers, okay. Not a bad player. They didn't have one in 2013. I, I got to get down. They didn't have one in 2012. See, they were trying to get away from the third round in those years, and rightfully so. Alex Green. Mm, Alex Green didn't do much in the league. Played 29 games in his career. Morgan Burnett. Good player. That's 2010. But we're on 2010. We've had like two good players in the list. I will not do this for the rest of the show. I promise. <laughs> Michael Finley, 2008, would have been a great player if he just stayed healthy, in my opinion. James Jones, Aaron Rouse. Aaron Rouse played in 41 games. I don't really remember him. James Jones was a very good player. Should make the Packer Hall of Fame at some point. I got to get down to – I'm just going to skip Abdul Hodge. I got to get down to the one where the, this, this is the worst third round in the history of, of the NFL draft. Here it is. 2004, Joey Thomas, defensive back, Montana State, played in 31 career games. Donnell Washington from Clemson, defensive tackle, never played a football game in his career. Third round pick. DJ Sander, punter. Same, this is the same draft class. B.J. Sander played in 14 career games. Three guys, 45 career games. 2004, worst third round of a history of third round of blunders by the Green Bay Packers. Sorry, I, can, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, and I guess what that what that highlights is that the third round problems the Packers have had are not just recent problems. No, they, they 2004 they was back. the last one I just talked about. <laughs> I had a quick look earlier, and, and unless I missed somebody, I don't think I did, but the last all-pro, AP all-pro that the Packers drafted in the third round was Boyd Dowler in 1959. You can keep going back through those third round third rounds. I think the only one that sprung to my mind as being really good was the 1995 draft. Antonio Freeman, Brian Williams, William Henderson were all third round picks. Darius Holland, who played who played a little bit. That was a decent third round. But other than that, it's not it's not been very good. What I do have is some of the stuff that I'm doing for my draft preparations. I looked at each round in the draft and how many all pros and pro bowlers have come out of each round for the last 18 drafts going back to 2004, which was when I think the, the Texans came into the league. So they went to 32 teams. Only 3.7% of third round picks ever make a single all pro team. So the chances of you hitting on a superstar in the third round are pretty slim. 10% make the pro bowl. So 90% of guys drafted in the third round don't even make a single pro bowl just puts a perspective on actually your chances of finding a superstar in round three aren't as high as we, we think probably that they should be and i've thought more about this and I'm, I'm i'm almost thinking as i as i speak here i wonder whether some of that is around the draft structure now so we have the day one of the draft where it's just the first round and teams can do a lot of preparation for that you know, because by the time they get to pick, regardless of where they're picking in the draft, they can have run a lot of scenarios and understand pretty much who's going to be there at the time that they pick. And again, with round two, round two is the next day. So they've got time to prepare for round two. But with round three also being on day two of the draft, 
those scenarios are magnified a million times that by the time that they get to pick in round three, they won't have been able to run all of those scenarios and pretty much worked out who's going to be available at, at, at that time. So that's a thought about it. It might be absolute garbage, that thought. But <laughs> but I was, tr- I was trying to come up with a possible reason as to why round three is seems to be so bad and it, and it's not just the Packers. So the Packers beat the Dallas Cowboys, the Mike McCarthy's 31-28 in overtime. Once again, I proved my lack of betting skills because I think I nailed it absolutely wrong for like the ninth week in a row. The good on offense, Christian Watson, man. This is the guy we've been waiting for, right? This is the athlete and the guy with smooth hips and be able to run away from people. This is the Christian Watson we were hoping to see. Absolutely. And 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 it's like all of these rookies, you have to give them time and whatever else. And, and also be careful now that let's not assume that he's going to do this every week. Let's just, you know, temper our expectations for the rest for the rest of the season. But absolutely, it's what we'd hoped for, what we were rooting for and for him as a player to in essence now put that first drop of the first game behind him I think I think it's it's huge brilliant absolutely fantastic and you put it on Twitter I saw that you're like okay so we can now say that George Pickens wasn't the pick in the second round I think for me I was just getting annoyed in the first few weeks of the season with people saying things like or implying see George Pickens always should have been the pick, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody knows, right, how this thing plays out. Let's talk about it in five years' time. Let's see if they're both still in the league in five years' time, for starters. Nobody knows how this plays out over a period of time. Just calm it down. You know, a career's not made off the back of three plays or one quarter. Let's, Let's calm this thing down. There's not much to choose between Pickens and Watson. They're slightly different types of players. They have slightly different backgrounds as well. Let's just see where this goes. But right now, stop with the comparisons or with the saying it should have been this one over that one. Let's just, they're both hopefully going to have great careers. So let's just let that play out. Well, I hope one of them has a great career. I don't care about the other guy. I just was never a big Pickens guy. And I don't think that he fits what the Packers need at this point anyway. Uh, It's just for the same reason. I don't think Chase Claypool should be a Packer. I actually think the Bears picking up Chase Claypool makes far more sense for the Bears because they don't have a big-bodied guy. They got a Darnell Mooney. So for them, it makes sense. For us, it doesn't. George Pickens doesn't make sense. We already have that guy on the roster. I don't know why you'd want another guy. It's like going back to, you know, when we had the 6'4", 230 guys, and that's all we had. I'm happy for Christian Watson. I hope that this is the start of something. Sometimes it's just that spark, right, that gets you going, and I hope that this is it. Hopefully it's not an anomaly. I think that teams will start to look at Christian Watson now as a threat. They didn't have to do that before. So now you might get some double teams and you're going to have to improve your craft. Right. And I think that's a huge point. If teams now see him as a threat, see him stretching the field and stuff, all of a sudden it, you just need that one guy that can do that and prove that he can do it, which he's proved this past week, starts to open up the field underneath. You know, And that may have been the case. We're jumping ahead, but that may have been the case in overtime with Alan Lazard getting open for that huge play in overtime. How much of that was about, we need to cover Christian Watson, we can't let Christian Watson beat us deep. You know, that may already be happening. Aaron Jones was great again. 
Aaron Jones, and we've said this, I feel like Aaron Jones is a super dude. And what he did on that touchdown is not Aaron Jones, like grabbing his junk (laughs) (laughs) in the air as he crossed the goal line. Now I have heard that the Cowboys like mean mugged the Packers and like ran by the sideline trying to like intimidate the Packers. That that's hilarious, right? It's the NFL. It's not Pop Warner football. But that was very uncharacteristic. So I now like Aaron Jones even more than I did yesterday. Now that I found out he grabbed his junk on the way in for a score. We've said it a million times, and we're not the only ones. That man needs a football in his hands. His burst, you don't have to have 4-3 speed as a running back. You just need to know when to turn on the gas. And he looks different. And I know we're comparing him to A.J. Dillon because that's the other running back in the Packers room. And A.J. Dillon is, while he might be as fast in the 40, is not as quick to the hole. Aaron Jones is lightning fast to the hole. And he makes things out of absolute nothing. Absolutely. And I'll just add to that. I think I think his vision just makes him perfect for that outside zone running game because he can make that quick cut when he's when he spies the hole. And even to this day, I, I think around the NFL, he's underrated, very underrated, even to this day. Aaron Rodgers had a nice game. We talk enough about Aaron Rodgers, but his passer rating, as you put in the notes, 146.7. They don't get much better than that. Play the quarterback position, Aaron. You're not a game manager because you can light it up when you need to. But if you can sit back and let the game come to you and let the running game flow and then open up your bag of tricks, holy smokes. We've been saying this for years. If you can balance the offense with a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers is, I know it's late in the season and we don't know what the playoffs are going to, what's going to happen there, but This is what we hoped in the beginning of the season, because if we were getting this kind of play in the beginning of the season, we're on the eight and one, six and three side of things. And we're going to the playoffs, especially the way the Packers played in this game. Well, I think, you know, we've already touched on it. Lazard, not not so much the catch, I guess, but the but the play made after the catch and picking up those extra yards, which pretty much put them in field goal position in in overtime was a huge, huge play. May have been his only catch of the game. He didn't have many. He may have had another one, but there's, he certainly didn't have many catches in that in that game. But that was a huge, huge play. When Alan Lazard drops down to block, people think he's going to block. That is like a move in his repertoire where he can like step into that hole, look like he's going to block some dude, and they start to tense up, and he runs by him. That's exactly what happened. The guy thought he was going to get blocked on a run play kind of fell off his, you know, he fell and Alan Lazard was wide open. He had three catches. He had the one for 36 and two for nine. So basically he didn't catch a ball other than that one. All right. The bad on offense, do the Packers draft a tight end next year? Hopefully not in the third round, but do the Packers draft a tight end because the tight end group of the five worst PFF grades on Sunday, three of them are tight ends. Too bad Tyler Davis didn't get more in the game and get more snaps. He could have been in there, too, because he would have been as bad. Mercedes Lewis is who he is. I think they keep him on on just a block, and that's fine. But if you're getting that low of a PFF grade, that means that you are not good in any spot. He had the lowest PFF grade of the Packer players with enough snaps. But then Josiah DeGuari was right there. Tanyan is the fifth worst. What do you think? 
Well, it's it's one of those ongoing questions. Is it almost like the inside linebacker or middle linebacker position has been an ongoing question at least till last year and then this draft for the last 10 or 15 years for the Packers? It's the same with the tight end spot. They either don't value the position highly in the draft, which lots of teams don't, to be fair, or they don't feel like they need those guys in the offense that they're that they're running. Because the Packers haven't had a real threat at tight end since Jermichael Finley. Richard Rogers had a good year in the but he wasn't twenty two. But but yeah, you know, it's a solid, solid, solid player. But they haven't had a, a threat since Jermichael Finley and and haven't had a I guess a Pro Bowl level tight end since Keith Jackson and Mark Chamuras, mid nineties, mid to late nineties. Um, unless I'm forgetting a guy, but I, I, I don't think so. I mean, Tanyan um, had a great year the previous yeah. year before he got hurt. Do you think Tanyan is a year away? I know guys get injured and they come back. Maybe he needs another year to get his legs under him and get fully comfortable and break down all the issues that he has. I, I don't know. And it would be an interesting one because it's going to be a free agent at the end. Well, he will be a free agent at the end of the year because his contract's got a bunch of void years after this year. Of, after this year on it, you know, where do they go with that? Is somebody going to pay him? I don't know what the going rate is five, six, seven, eight million a year, which is a big number for a player that's like you say, had one really good year, but only, but only one. I don't know where, where they go with that. If Tyler Davis to... is the answer, then I don't like the question. <laughs> they need to use those third round picks on them. Oh, they have. Oh, they have. I forgot that. Yeah, they keep doing that. Look how well that's gone. <laughs> the ugly on offense for you? There wasn't a lot of ugly. Just really that last drive at the at the end of the game um, with, the, with the scores tied. They kind of got stuck between, I'm not sure whether we're moving the ball down the field here and keeping time on the clock. Try and move the ball and run time off the clock at the same time. And they kind of ended up doing neither. And they ended up in a, you know, in like a third and whatever with only 41 seconds left on the clock. I think it was third and one, I think it was. Rodgers didn't run, possibly could have run for the for the first down on a passing play where he rolled out to the left. And that was the play where Rodgers seemingly got very upset. If you could believe what you're seeing in front of you and from the camera's eyes, seemed to get really upset with Matt LaFleur as to what the play call was. That whole drive for me was as ugly as it got for the Packers on offense. And it wasn't really that ugly. He was angry on that play, which is kind of funny to me. Like Aaron, you call out of plays all the goddamn time. Like this is the one time you decided not to. And then you blame the coach for the one time you don't call out of a play. Dude, <laughs> come on. That was the irony for me too. Yeah. <laughs> really kind of funny, but just to reiterate what you said, that whole two minute drive was a disaster. I agree that they were trying to see, and Greg Olson, although I think he's a complete dick, I think he hates the Packers, but maybe it's just my biased opinion on that. I thought he was right on that play, that you need to get a first down to see where you're going. And when the Packers didn't get a first down right away, then they kind of were like in that, I don't know what to do here mode. And they just bungled that whole thing. I mean, it turned out fine, so we'll just let it go at that. But uh, the defense, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it was interesting to see Darnell Savage in the slot. I don't even know where to go with that. It's kind of out of necessity, right? Shamar John Charles is hurt. Stokes is hurt. Douglas is really a boundary corner, so he's not really that good in the slot. 
Darnell Savage, and I've said this before, even though I beat up on him, he has athletic ability. He has the athletic ability and feet to cover someone in the slot. It's not a bad place for him. Rudy Ford, I don't know if he's smarter at football or if Dak Prescott just seems to like to throw the ball to Rudy Ford. I don't know which one it is, (laughs) but I mean, Rudy Ford was in the right place at the right time. And that takes football smarts. I never feel like Darnell Savage is, I'm not saying he's a dumb guy, but I don't think he reacts to the play as well as Rudy Ford instinctually reacts to the play. If that's the way it's going to be and Ford can play safety, even at an average level, he's better than Darnell Savage, who is way below average as a safety. So keep him in there. He can't be worse. I don't think. Packers without both Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie stepped up 13 tackles, not just 13 tackles. He was visible. He was noticeable. You could see him out there making plays, being around the football. So I thought he was good and, and, that's a positive. That's one that you could put in the plus box because we didn't know what we had in Isaiah McDuffie because he hasn't played or hasn't played on defense. So I think that was that was a positive. And I thought that Jaron Reed was more noticeable, more active than we've probably seen him all, all season, or at least since the early games of the season. You know, he had that key pressure on that fourth down play in overtime. Quay Walker, when he reacts to a play, is very explosive. Like, he gets to the spot very quickly. That's so strange to watch that happen. There were a couple plays where I texted Todd. I'm like, that's your guy right there. And he was in the right place at the right time. Like, he comes off the ball fast. Very excited about him. And Jaron Reed has not been good until this week. Like, he's had some really down weeks. So, it's nice to see him come back. Bad defensively. I mean, the Rudy Ford picks – make this game look a lot better than it actually is on defense. I read some people on Twitter like, oh, the defense came to play. No one fucking didn't. (laughs) Gave up 400 yards. They were bend and then get a timely interception. That's what it was. It really wasn't great defense. And they are not putting at all pressure on the quarterback. They put very little pressure on the quarterback this week. I mean, they gave up 400 yards. If Prescott would have been throwing even more, it would have been a lot more than 400 yards. Oh, yes, um, for sure. And, and C.D. Lamb had probably the best game of his career, mm-hmm. 11 catches for 150 yards. And where's Jair Alexander? Like, I just don't get that. Like, oh, I'm going to take the best guy. Dude, you're taking some clown that can't play and following him around the field. C.D. Lamb is their guy. That's it. That's all they have. Why our best player is not following that player just still baffles me. Ladarius Hamilton had a 39 PFF grade. <laughs> that's really bad. Well, you only played five snaps. That's probably all. That's all they needed to see. And they're like, nope, that's enough. And my guy, Kenny, I don't know what the fuck your problem is, Kenny. I have not been able to say Kenny Clark wrestled in a long damn time. Because you haven't made a play in a long damn time, Kenny. Time to figure that shit out. <laughs> oh, special teams. I think it was hilarious that they brought Ramiz Ahmed up and then the first kick he made was like 16 yards in the air. It was the <laughs> worst. I thought it was Mason Crosby out there kicking. It was such a short kick. He did blast one through the end zone one time, though, so high five to you, Ramiz he, Ahmed. He, 
he did the one that really counted, the one in overtime he put yes, through he the did. end. He put... The first kick, I don't know if he kicked it with his left foot. Like, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> it was like a ground ball. But he was nervous. He looked nervous. And, but he did it when it counted. Not, not as nervous as you looked when he did it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Is that Todd up there think, in his yeah, boots? <laughs> <laughs> you think that we've just we've just elevated the only kicker whose kickoffs are shorter than Mason Cross. Exactly. Right? <laughs> like they try these dudes out, and he's like, "Okay, if you can't get it to the ten on a fly, you're on the team. We'll put you on the roster." That was really kind of funny. Pat O'Donnell is okay. Marcy, I know you're listening. I know that you love Pat O'Donnell because he does a good job of holding for extra points and kicks, and I think that's a big deal too. So I'll take that out of you, brother. Thank you, Pat O'Donnell. Continue to do that. And don't completely suck at punting. And you're our guy next year, too. Next up is the Tennessee Titans on Thursday. Your friends from the UK and our friends from the UK will be there once again. That's a pretty cool idea to do the Sunday-Thursday game for the UK Packers. So that's awesome. That's a really short turnaround for our Green Bay Packers, though. That should be interesting. For a change, it's not traveling out to... San Francisco or somewhere out on the West Coast on a Thursday night, because that's what it always seems to be yeah, these days. Yeah, it does. They, they play a late game on a Sunday and then have to travel West Coast on the Thursday night. So, so at least it's not that. So our friends from the UK, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning when this comes out, I'm just going to tell you right now, go buy another layer of Under Armour or long underwear or some <laughs> shit, because you are going to need it. Oh, it's going to be 30, you know, whatever degrees. It ain't. As a lifelong resident of the state of Wisconsin, go buy yourself another pair just for your your (laughs) own health and welfare. I'm just telling you now. The Titans are a good football team. They kind of fly under the radar, right? Like last year, weren't they the number one seed in the playoffs in the AFC last year? They are what they are. Strong strong running game, strong defense. That's, That's who the Titans are. They are the Titans that we've known them to be over the last few years, led by Derek Henry and with a strong defense that's 29 sacks and 13 takeaways and just puts you under a lot of pressure. Yeah, like Derek Henry always scares me. That dude is a monster back there. And the Packers, yeah. we, we've said it since, I don't know, the 90s. They can't stop the run. So that those two things always go together. Huge weapon. He's their lightning rod or whatever you want to call it. He's the guy they look to to make big plays. Ryan Tannehill is okay. They picked up Robert Woods, hoping that Robert Woods would kind of spark a better passing game. But he hasn't been super great. I mean, <sighs> Traylon Burks, is he off by R yet? Because that guy fucking sucks. I don't know. Has he played? He's a Mari Rogers Jr. He stinks. He's terrible. As Derek Henry goes, that's how their offense goes. And normally it's very good. You know, and he's one of those guys that just keeps going all day. You know, it's the kind of guy that can have 40 carries. Even if he's stopped early, you know, in the second half, he'll start racking off 12 yards a carry, 13 yards, 9 yards, 17 yards. And with the Packers' run defense, as bad as it is, Packers allowing 140 yards a game rushing, 31st in the NFL. It's a matchup that the Titans must be looking forward to, you would think. Defensively, they seem to stop teams without marquee players. I guess that's a compliment to their coaching staff, and it's just saying that 
they not that they're making something out of nothing. That's not fair. These are NFL players. But if you look down this roster and I name all of their starters, you'd be like, who? For a lot of these guys, Jeffrey Simmons, who? Tier Tart, who? Demarcus Walker, who? Like these aren't, you know, there's no name brand guy on their depth chart where you think this is a playmaker, this is a perennial pro bowler, that kind of guy. But they, but they stop teams. They're a better defensive team than the Green Bay Packers are. I think it's interesting that the Packers are favored in this game. How? After one game? That seems premature. I think that's a, a reaction to this, an overreaction to this game. Am I excited the Packers beat the Cowboys? Oh, fuck yes, I am. Like, I love that they won. It makes my entire week better. But I am not convinced that the Packers are a good football team right now. I think the matchup is a good one for, for, for Tennessee. Only thing that I would say is that in the majority of games in the NFL, you still have to be able to throw the football to win. Right, so however many yards you rack up on the ground, Tennessee generally does enough in the passing game to win, but I don't think they're going to this week. Yeah, and this isn't a reaction to what happened on Sunday. What happened on Sunday was I didn't expect as many points Sunday, but I did expect the Packers to play well this Sunday, just gone. I did guess that they would win. And before Sunday's game, I thought that the Packers would win this game, Titans game coming up. And I, st and I still believe that. And again, it will be a very, very tight game. And the Packers will give up a lot of yards on the ground. They will. But I think they'll be able to do just enough on offense to win this game. Probably a very similar scoreline to the one I gave last week. I think the Packers win this about 2017. I think the same. I don't think the Packers will not cover. If the, if the point spread stays at three, they will not cover and they will not go over the 42. I almost think that the offense, the Titans offense is better with Malik Willis going forward than it is with Ryan Tannehill. I think that if he was playing, if Malik Willis was playing in this game, I'd be a little nervous because he can get outside the pocket a little bit where Ryan Tannehill is going to stay motionless in the pocket like a fucking statue. So that's good for the Packers who can't put a pass rush on at all. All I got to do is pressure in his face. Hopefully that's enough because he won't run out of there. So, yeah, I agree. 2017 Packers. Let's make it happen. Go to what, five and six and yep. continue to keep our hopes alive for the playoffs. Lose to the shit teams and then beat the good ones. I mean, yeah, it's all turned upside down this year. So thanks for listening to episode 103 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Tony Canadeo episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.